Joining me now on Root of the Matter is uh, Mr. Joe Alexander from Loudoun County. Mr. Joe, how are you doing today? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing very well today, and thank you for for asking. Yes, sir. We're, we're getting ready to uh, celebrate uh, kind of a, a holiday that uh, has been around our country for, for many years, and rightfully so, Memorial Day. And I know it's a, it's a special uh, day and a special, special tribute for you as a, a former serviceman, and even more so than that, uh, before you were uh, in the military, you were a farmer growing up, and uh, I think that had a lot to do with uh, the, the man you are today, but I, I would say your military experience as well has, uh, has kind of uh, molded you into who you are today, right? Yes, Lee, it has, and I did grow up in the farming world, and and I uh, I found later in my life how important my youth in farming, how well it served me uh, as a soldier and in life in general. Uh, that the, the I was had the good fortune of being uh, involved in farming and agriculture as a youth, and it had such a tremendous impact on me and, and uh, especially my military career. Take us back to where you were raised and about that farm you're, you're referring to. Tell me about growing up. Where was that and what kind of farming was it? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I worked on my grandfather's farm. We've been in the family since around 1810 here in the North City or near the North City in Loudoun County. And uh, my family historically had been farmers. And uh, uh, my father was fortunate enough to get a college degree and became a teacher uh, of vocational agriculture. And he uh, continued to farm as well as being a teacher. And every day of my life, uh, after school, on weekends, on holidays, at every uh, possible time, my father took me to the farm and we worked on that farm. In the summer months, we worked, uh, he and I did, to help my grandfather and finally uh, just my father. And it it gave me so much, I guess, uh, traits and qualities that would endure me the rest of my life. That's not an, unlike a story we hear today of, a, of an ag teacher and, and their kids growing up on a farm. Uh, unfortunately, there's just not as many uh, kids growing up on farms today. Uh, but the ones that, that do uh, are in that same similar situation as you were as a, as a youth. You, you learn the values of hard work and responsibility. And, and, uh, and then eventually, uh, you know, that kind of led towards patriotism, right? It certainly did. And, and, so many things as a farmer you learn, you know. Uh, one is um, uh, that, that if you, um, you you do everything you can, you, you do everything right in farming, you plant the seed. If the rain doesn't come, uh, then you don't have a crop, and, and you, have to, you have to endure that and have to come at, you know, continue again the next year and keep doing it, not to give up. And, and those kind of things... Were, were so critical in in, in uh, not just my life, but particularly in, in my military service and as a as a patriot uh, in our country. 
And and you talked about it not raining. There's there's also those times when you when you get too much rain, right? So you you never know. the The weather's always going to play a factor on on how successful or unsuccessful a farm may be. You're exactly right, and and you just don't give up. You just keep plowing. You keep hoeing, or you you keep uh, replanting. And and if there's too much rain, or there's not enough rain, or Whatever the case may be, you just don't give up, and you you just you just endure the hardships, and and you find you find ways to survive. You do. So obviously, Mr. Joe, you you or your father was a was a ag teacher, and you went through um, high school, and and uh, you knew that he had gotten his college degree, and and that's something that you wanted to pursue as well, right? And so you you went to college, and that was at a time. Uh, remind us when, when that was, but obviously, I know when it was. When you're going to say in the in the 1960s, uh, you know, a very um, a different time and you know the war had begun in vietnam right yes that is correct um uh in my high school years uh in in the early 60s the the vietnam war had begun and and we begin to hear about it in the news and and on the papers didn't know much about it where it was and didn't have a clue where it was in the world uh, and i did graduate from high school and I attended uh, college for a couple of years, and I just had this urge to, um, to to serve my country. And I left my college uh, career and in, went to the active duty for three years, and then returned back to school and didn't finish my uh, my degree at, at uh, East Tennessee State University. What year was that when you graduated high school? And was that from Lenore City High School, or what was the high school? I graduated graduated in 1964 from Loudon High School. We lived in Loudon because uh, my father taught at Loudon High School, and the farm was near Lenore City. And I, I, I since I retired from my business, and uh, uh, I have moved to the farm at Lenore City and live on the farm and. It's such a wonderful life, and, and it's just uh, I just got many fond memories of having been here as a youth and, and working with my father, and, and and I'm in the last well about ten years now I've been retired, and it's just an absolute wonderful life to be on the farm and, and just enjoying that. So so I, I graduated high school in 1964, and then you of course went to college you said for two years and and then uh th- th- then to serve the, your, your country and t- and tell us about that what what branch of the military were you in and and uh i'm sure that was a uh eye-opening experience uh as you uh got involved in the military right it's not something you just uh you know take lightly uh, it's pretty serious stuff yes it is and um uh, I don't know what kind of moved me to to go to serve my country. But I had every intention of having a college degree, uh, but I just remember just having this urge and need because uh, the at, in nineteen and sixty six, I guess it was, the war was really building up, and uh, it just in every news daily, and and I just uh, I just felt that. Um, as an American citizen, that I had an obligation to 
to serve in some manner, whether it's a military or I need to do something for my country. And, and uh, so I just uh, decided to do that. Uh, I uh, had had just gotten my deferment uh, from for another year for a college deferment. So I was good for to avoid the draft. But uh, uh, I went to the to the uh, Army recruiter and uh, told him I said I'd like to uh, I'd like to go ahead and sign up and and get my service behind me and and and, and uh, do my duty. He said that's great. You sign here. That'll be three years of your life. I said now wait a minute. My buddies are going for two. Uh, how how do I just go for two? And he said well you got to be drafted. So that he explained how to do that. So then I, I was drafted then into the service, and I ended up spending three years on active duty because uh, after my first year as enlisted, I um, graduated <clears throat> from officer candidate school, infantry officer candidate school, and uh, became an officer, which was another two-year obligation. So I ended up spending three years um, in the active duty. And so we're we're talking 1966, 1967, and and of course, as you referred to, the the war was ramping up the the uh, the war in Vietnam, and and quite a a different time for all Americans at that point. A lot of division, I think, had already started, and but so you you're in the army, and I think you volunteer in. The Airborne Infantry Regiment is that correct? Uh, tell, tell me about that. Upon completion of my officer candidate school, and I was a, as a second lieutenant, uh, I asked to uh, be airborne, and um, I asked uh, to to be assigned to uh, to Vietnam. I, I wanted to go, and I wanted to uh, uh, to to serve in combat, which seems really <clears throat> odd. Um, I had an ancestor who fought at the Battle of Kings Mountain in a Revolutionary War, and he was a lieutenant colonel, and he led some of the charges up Kings Mountain. And I think it had, uh, I guess, uh, uh, inspired me to become an officer and to also follow his footsteps in in serving in combat for our our country. So I I did, in fact, go to airborne school and immediately was assigned uh, to the 3rd Battalion, 506 Airborne Infantry at Fort Campbell. And the 3rd Battalion was uh, consisted of about 660 airborne soldiers. And we our mission was to train for six months at Fort Campbell and then go to Vietnam for a year. And it was part of the build-up program where they kept adding more and more soldiers in, into the, into the uh, Vietnam uh, we were we went as a battalion, which is an exciting story all by itself. But but uh, that's uh, that's sort of how I got into the into the Vietnam War. And I just can't imagine Mr. Joe of volunteering to jump out of an airplane. But that's that's what <laughs> that's what you do, right? Uh, as you you jump out of an airplane into combat into enemy territory and under combat, right? That is correct. And just a short version, uh, in January of 1968, I believe it was about the 15th of January, 
uh, my battalion was preparing to make a combat jump along the Cambodian border. And um, about six hours before we got on the airplanes to make a combat jump, uh, the, the, the order was, or the operation was canceled. Two weeks later, the Tet offensive began, and so we were we were about to jump right into the middle of about three divisions of NVA. Uh, so I guess in some ways it's good we didn't make the jump, but uh, but we were scheduled to do so. Uh, it, it, to jump out of an airplane, uh, you do kind of wonder a little bit about you. Have you lost your mind? But uh, it is exhilarating. Uh, it, it's just uh, there's something about it. There's a brotherhood there. There's a bond, and, and you, uh, obviously you're trained extremely well before you ever step out that door into the, sp- into the skies. And I know it's been it's been several years, you know, well over fifty years since since that occurred. But and and maybe uh, I'm thinking you you've been a little reluctant to. Uh, share your experience up until maybe now because it was pretty dramatizing right it was it was uh, uh, substantial like you said I mean first off jumping out of an airplane I I don't know if I could do it but uh, but going into and and fighting in an area uh, in the jungles of of Vietnam uh, in a place obviously where you know nothing about and you're depending though on your brothers right to to get you through and had to be a very i would say terrifying moment but uh maybe exciting and exhilarating all of that but uh obviously uh the sacrifices that you all made as as americans uh, really shows that true patriotism that this country was built on Yes, uh, and you're right. I, I have most, I guess everyone really knows that when the Vietnam soldier came home, uh, there was very little, what you might say, uh, appreciation for his service or what he did or the accomplishments that were made. Uh, uh, the, 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 it's, it's, I guess, an accepted fact that we didn't win the war, uh, but uh, the soldiers won their part of it. It was more, more, I guess, of a of a national decision, but coming home, we just sort of naturally, the Vietnam veterans and me being one of them, uh, we just didn't talk about it. And and if you were to maybe say a few words about it, uh, nobody understood. Nobody could share. They couldn't understand the what what you were saying. It's just it's just too difficult. So so and and the World War Two people. I mean, they were well treated now now they liberated france and prevented the germans from taking uh, bastone and going to the english channel and and we we took iwo jima and we defeated japan so they had national headlines that just just made them uh, in a much more prestigious place but the vietnam veteran and and the korean veteran let's don't forget about the korean veteran pretty much the same as the uh, vietnam but um, we just there was so much anti-war uh, that it just was not a very popular thing. So, so ago, all these years, just with it inside of me, and not able to share it or to get it out of my out of my 
system, I guess. But it wasn't a wasn't a day in my life since Vietnam, not a single day, that I didn't think about the Third Battalion, five hundred six Airborne Infantry, uh, what it accomplished, or the people that in it were in it, and those who were killed, those who were wounded. I, uh, I just uh, every day of my life, I thought about those, those that 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 time, and I guess twenty five or thirty years after the war, begin to reunite with my my brothers uh, from the third five oh six, and um, and it, it began to take come together. You know, we could we could talk, we could chat, we could share things. And everybody understood. You didn't have to explain anything. And after our reunions, then we would um, we would go home and wait for the next reunion. We'd, we'd repeat the same thing. But the, but the thing is that you just didn't share the, the 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 many great things that were done by our American boys in the Vietnam War. But until just recently, and you know, I'm I'm very proud of my farming. And I tell everybody about my farm, and I talk about my farm, and I talk about my cows and the legacy of the farm, and and my it just it's just every day I'm talking to somebody about my farm, and and I just one day thought, well, why am I not talking about the many good things that were done in 1967, 1968 uh, by many many great people? So it just dawned on me just recently that I'd need to. When opportunity presents itself, to to, to tell people that uh, uh, there were so many great Americans that sacrificed a lot for our country uh, in the Vietnam War and the Korean War, and, and I'm very proud of it. I just uh, I, I just uh, I'm anxious to talk about it and share that 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 uh, that part of my life, and uh, just like I do with my farming. Well, one experience there that you might could uh, enlighten us on, maybe not too fun to remember, but you were badly wounded, right? Uh, in I think in February of 1968. Uh, yes, I was. Um, and again, this was during the uh, Tet Offensive, 1968, which is the height probably of the uh, of the war. There were a lot of battles after that, but but that was probably the biggest national attempt that the North Vietnamese had to um, uh, to win the war. Uh, but, yes, it was um, – uh, the war began on – or the Tet Offensive started on uh, January 31st, 1968. And uh, we had um, – traditionally, we did our business in the, in, the, um, in the countryside, not in the towns. And, and again, it goes back to my farming skills. You know, you go through the rice paddies and 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 the, all the different things you see agriculturally in, in Vietnam, and I always enjoyed that. But uh, but we were always out in the countryside. Well, the the concept of the Tet Offensive was uh, that uh, the enemy would take the fight to within the towns in the cities, and which was just totally different from what we were used to. So we wake up um. February the 1st, with the enemy taking over the, the local town government, uh, the prison, the hospital, and and they had taken over everything within the infrastructure of, of the communities there, and 
So our job then was to go into towns and fight and get them out, which we were doing. And uh, we had pushed them out of town very quickly, and they were retreating back into the mountains. And uh, so it was about uh, two weeks, uh, the 19th of February, we were given the order to uh, pursue the enemy and uh, they were because they were escaping. Well, my uh, company, Company A, um, was was moving uh, on the outskirts of the town called Fan Diet. Fan Diet was just due east of Saigon, and it was right on the seacoast, a beautiful, beautiful place, lots of fishing boats, and just a lovely place. But uh, anyway... My battalion commander was in a helicopter flying above, and he was looking down, and we had paused for a while, uh, the, the company, Company A had, and uh, he he could see the enemy not far away. He calls and says, um, to, to tell my boss, and does it in code, of course, he says, um, uh, the enemy is to the front of Lieutenant Alexander. They're escaping, attack now. And so my commander said, yes, sir. He ordered me to attack. I, in turn, ordered my squads. I was a platoon leader, infantry platoon leader. And I gave them all an order to uh, prepare to attack. And they all gave me a, uh, their signals. We, this is nothing new for us. We knew, had our own, little, own methods of communicating. So I got a report that everybody's ready. I sent the word up. We're ready, so the order came, attack. So we started to move forward. Had gone just a short distance, and we uh, had stepped into an ambush, an L-shaped ambush. The enemy was to my left flank, and the enemy was to my front. And the the colonel had mistakenly read them as he thought they were escaping when they were actually taking up their defensive positions. And which is not an uncommon thing to, to make misjudgments. But anyway, so we we were instantly thrown into a crossfire ambush. Um, <clears throat> the battle raged for uh, about three to four hours. Uh, it was very intense. Um, I, I, I was responsible for conducting the uh, the maneuvers of the platoon, which we couldn't maneuver because we had nowhere to. We were on a rice paddy, just, just all we could do, just sur- almost survive. But I did do the coordination of all the supporting fires, uh, attack helicopters, artillery, mortars, um, uh, Air, Air Force, um, and had some naval. So it was a, a very loud three hour, three or four hours. Uh, but uh, during that during that battle, I had uh, I went into the battle with about forty paratroopers. And of the 40, eight were killed in action. Uh, 13 were wounded, and the ones who weren't wounded, and including those who were who did survive, all the survivors were scarred for life. Um, it uh, uh, they um, uh, it was a uh, very uh, very memorable moment i guess um but we did we did we did win we defeated the enemy we destroyed the enemy um 
and um, I was wounded. Uh, I was wounded five times during the battle, and um, I saw a lot of heroism. I saw a lot of uh, just. I mean, just and of, of the ones who were killed when the, when the bodies were retrieved. All of them, their rifles were aimed toward the enemy, but no, and nobody ran. They, everybody stayed there and, and did their duty, covered for each other. And uh, I had um, just uh, some, several stories I could tell of heroics there, but um, uh, but it um, it was quite memorable, uh, traumatic, I guess, time in my life. Well, it's very much appreciative of of your service and and that sacrifice that that you did, uh, and to to be wounded five times and to and witness your fellow brothers going down like you did, and and you're, you're young men, right? You're you're in your twenties, right? So oh yeah, I, it's just kind of all inspiring that you all were able to do what you did in that territory that you know maybe you as a farm boy uh might be more familiar with but uh, i'm sure to all of you it was just a you're in a whole different world and you're you're a world away from back home on the farm right yes and and i will share this that there was a moment where i thought i wouldn't survive and when, when you when you have that moment some of us have had that in car accidents or just different issues throughout your normal life you you, you have a fright or a fear that you're going to pass. Uh, and I, I had that moment or second. And, and the, the, one of the first things that came to my mind was, was my farm life. Uh, what a beautiful farm. It was just just the picture of our farm and how being green and everything just flashes through your mind in, in a moment of just, uh, you know, panic and, and, uh, and fear but it's just this uh, serenity of the farm. Just it, it did. It came through my mind and, and uh, my family, of course, and my church and and and, uh, and that sort of thing like that. But it very vividly sticks in my mind that how much my farm life meant to me and what it it uh, uh, how it would have been one of my last thoughts had I not survived. Well, one of the things uh, that. Uh so many of us take for granted is the freedoms and what we are blessed to have in this country. Uh, we, we take it for granted, uh, those of you uh, like yourself and, and so many other servicemen and women uh, throughout the ages have, have uh, helped to provide that freedom for us. And I know that when we think about days like this day of Memorial Day, you're you're, you're thinking about uh, your your fallen uh, brothers that uh, you served with, and and all the ones bef- before, uh, even in previous wars, and uh, that that means something special to you, right? Memorial Day to you, and to many other servicemen and women, it 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 means something a little more. It it does, and, and you know. Um... The eight guys that I lost, um, and I knew uh, I know a few others that were killed in the war, but but there were fifty six thousand, fifty eight thousand, I believe it was, killed in Vietnam. 
Uh, I can't quote the numbers for the other wars, but you go back to Korean War, World War II, all the way back to the Revolutionary War, the number of who have died in service to our country. It's just an overwhelming number. And and I'll say this, that those who have given their life for our country, again, beginning with our, our patriots and um, in the Revolutionary War, and, uh, that they, their spirit, the, the spirit of those fallen soldiers uh, resides in the American flag. And it's the American flag is the one place that you can honor and salute every single person from the beginning of the Revolutionary War that has died on our behalf so we can have a free country. We can be a sovereign country. We can govern ourselves because so many people have sacrificed their lives. And, and it is upsetting when we see people disrespectful to the American flag because it it, it, it represents my eight guys and all these other uh, probably millions of people who who have given their life. And it's not just they gave their life, it's their family, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, and, and I've thought many times of the people I know that were killed, that what they would have contributed uh, in the la- in the last in the next you know fifty or so years that I've lived since that war, uh, what the, what we what our country failed to have because they weren't citizens of our country and contributors to our country. Amazingly said. Uh... Mr. Joe Alexander, uh, 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 former uh, paratrooper with the 101st Airborne. And one thing, you know, you, you mentioned it often in this in this talk here is the sacrifice. And uh, one thing that you, maybe you can help uh, share with us, there there is a new book out that came out earlier this year that's called uh, the book is entitled Sign Here for Sacrifice, and it follows those brothers of yours that you're talking about, those paratroopers and and uh, that were part of the, the 3rd Battalion, the 506th Airborne Infantry Regiment, and what you all kind of went through. And I know that you're featured in that book at some point, and uh, something that I I guess that's made a difference uh, to you as well that it's come out now. Yes, that's so true. That, that, that book uh, really is what part of what's inspired me to to tell my friends and neighbors about what happened in Vietnam and not to hide, not to not to subdue that that message anymore. Because as I read that book, I'm thinking this story needs to be shared with other citizens who who drive down our interstates and enjoy Fourth of July picnics and things to know that this uh, there, there was sacrifice to, to have this freedom. Uh, the, the, so many books and movies and just about all of them in our history of, of the Vietnam War have, have had a really negative, uh, untrue portrayal of the Vietnam soldier. 
and the author of this book, uh, Ian Gardner, who is a Englishman in you know, in England, set about um, trying to tell the story of the soldiers themselves, and and that they were um, uh, uh, really um, that the soldiers were well well trained and 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 well and served our country very well. Uh, as opposed to what so many other media has portrayed uh, the Vietnam veteran as as different different negative images. So so that was his goal was to try to portray to try to tell the story of some really good soldiers who who all every one of them all eight six hundred sixty men they all volunteered for that duty. Uh, none of them were drafted into the 506 they volunteered to serve in the third 506 um knowing that they would spend a year in vietnam so yes the book book was um uh inspired me in a lot of ways well and we're glad it did and proud of uh what you represent uh what you represented then and and uh, the upbringing that you had on the farm that i'm sure that as you said that paid so many dividends as a soldier but over 50 years ago now you're looking back and remembering uh, those stories that need to be shared and uh, the the sacrifices that you made and the ones that our military men and women today are making that uh, are continuing to protect the freedoms and of our country and that flag that that flies so proudly we don't ever need to forget that and i know uh on memorial day and july 4th and uh at, at even at christmas and other holidays i know you're thankful for this country and for being raised on a farm and still living on that farm today yes sir and i love every minute of it and uh and I'll say this: that that um, you know, in Vietnam, we we did our we we earned our freedoms. Uh, today, as we speak today, with members of the 506, uh, 101st in Eastern Europe today, <clears throat> with guns and bullets, standing ready to to do what we did in Vietnam. So tomorrow is another day. We have to earn our freedom every day. So even though I know we did it in Vietnam, and even though we're doing it today, tomorrow is a whole new day in freedom, and we have to earn it. We have to fight for it. We have to protect it. And our, our soldiers today are doing just that. And, and Memorial Day, um, I know uh, it's a great day. The weather's going to be pretty good, looks like, and we'll be doing – you know, people be doing barbecues and, and going maybe to the lake. It's probably warm enough to swim and boat and have hamburgers and barbecues and that. And just a day off from work and family and friends. But I encourage everyone to take <clears throat> to take just a moment. Doesn't take wouldn't take long during Memorial Day. To remember those people who gave their lives in sacrifice, uh, in service to our country. Just, just take a few minutes and pause, and maybe some family. You know, we we gather together to pray for our meals. Well, when we say our prayers for our Memorial Day dinner or 
hot dogs or whatever, let's just add in there a special word for the for the for the soldiers who died. Well said, Mr. Joe Alexander. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you for sharing your story and your time with us. And uh, at the root of the matter, the a farm boy from uh, Loudoun County, Tennessee, has served our country well. Uh, you're still serving our country well, and we just appreciate that. And and uh, and you're still on the farm. You're you're representing Farm Bureau there in Loudoun County, president of the Loudoun County Farm Bureau. Just thank you for your service as a soldier, as a farmer, as a family man. I am the, uh, a leader here in the county, and uh, the president, and, and and I want to thank Farm Bureau because. Uh, uh, First of all, it is um, uh, a Christian organization, and, and, and it, it, is, it has all the right values. Uh, the Tennessee Farm Bureau, uh, I think, is a leader among the, in the nation, and it is, uh, does so many good things for, for agriculture and, and, and for our, our, our food supply system. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what us farmers do. We provide food and and we have Farm Bureau there to help us. And I know legislatively-wise that uh, Farm Bureau is it is oh, it's just so critical and so important to us at state and national level to look out. Because I, as a beef farmer in Loudoun County, I can't impact the state or national legislation. And I know the Farm Bureau does that and does it exceptionally well. And without Farm Bureau... Uh, I, I would hate to think what our farming life would be like today. So I thank Farm Bureau for that. Mr. Alexander, thank you again for your service and, and for your time here today. And uh, we just uh, appreciate everything you've meant. Well, you're more than welcome. And, and uh, I just, uh, just I'm, I'm, I'm a, proud to be an American and proud to be a farmer and, and uh, just uh, and proud to be a Tennessee Farm Bureau member.